Welcome back to another episode of the Adam Schefter Podcast. And on today's episode, we are going to be joined by one of the shooting stars in media today, Nate Burleson, who co-hosts CBS Mornings, is an analyst on CBS NFL Today Show, and he's also the co-host of the Wednesday night Nickelodeon show called Slime Time that I happen to know one of the correspondents on that show very well. She's conducted interviews of players for that show in my own home. And I've watched Nate Burleson grow from where he used to be a player with the Minnesota Vikings, Seattle Seahawks, Detroit Lions, and briefly the Cleveland Browns. And he went from becoming a third round pick in 2003 out of Nevada to go on to become arguably the hottest young star in media today. Thought it would be worth our time to sit down with the incredibly talented Nate Burleson. And that comes after a week that really was remarkable in the way it unfolded. And it began happening last Friday when the first email that John Gruden, the former Raiders coach, and it's amazing to say that right now, the former Raiders coach sent to the former Washington football team executive, Bruce Allen, using a racial trope to describe the NFLPA executive director, Demara Smith. I happened to be in Ann Arbor visiting my son that day. And the moment I saw that email, I got on the phone with some people and I could tell that John Gruden was in trouble and that his job and future in the NFL were in jeopardy. We didn't know how it would unfold. There were a lot of different ways it could unfold. And I think the NFL was waiting to see how the Raiders owner, Mark Davis, handled it. And on Friday, the NFL sent more emails to Mark Davis that were, quote unquote, very damaging, detailing more slurs that went beyond what John Gruden said about Demora Smith that we now know about. Sexist, racist, homophobic emails that basically spared almost nobody. John Gruden called out the NFL commissioner. He called out NFL owners. He called out NFL reporters. He called out many people within the league circles. And I'm told there are many, many more emails beyond the ones that the New York Times reported on Monday night. And as the story unfolded all weekend long, Mark Davis was said to be torn up and distraught over the contents of these emails, as he should have been. And he loves John Gruden. So you knew this was going to be a tough spot for him. And I don't know that anybody knew exactly the way it was going to unfold. But Monday night, as we were getting ready to come on the air for Monday Night Countdown, I got a call that the NFL was waiting to see what Mark Davis had to say about these additional emails that arrived in his office on Friday. And it was now Monday. And there was still no comment, still no action taken. And I could tell that people around the league were getting impatient. And lo and behold, right as Monday Night Countdown was coming to an end at 8 o'clock, the New York Times published a story that detailed seven more years of emails that John Gruden sent to Bruce Allen with all those insulting terms, all those racist, sexist, homophobic slurs. And the moment you saw that article, you knew that John Gruden's career with the Raiders and career in the NFL was over. A man who loves football as much, if not more than just about anybody I know, would not be working in the National Football League any longer. That's over. And that was the final chapter to his career. Who would have thought that John Gruden coached his last NFL game in Las Vegas on Sunday, a loss to the Bears? But that story unfolded slowly yet incredibly quickly when it all happened on Monday. And again, when the time story came out, the countdown was on. We were ready at ESPN 
to go with the report, the news, the update that John Gruden was out as the head coach of the Raiders, which wound up coming down in the second quarter after he met with Mark Davis. And so that was an incredible week, the way it unfolded. And who would have thought at the beginning of the year that 10-year-old emails uh, would turn out to be one of the big stories of the NFL season, but they have. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Adam. And with that, we go on to this week, week six in the NFL, lots of big matchups, but the man who's front and center at it all, who's as busy as anybody I know, the talented, versatile, ascending CBS analyst, Nickelodeon analyst, Nate Burleson. What's up? Looking dapper there, Nate. Thank you. Thank you. Just getting off the set. Your daughter's doing awesome, by the way. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. It's uh, quite an adventure. I will say this. The show itself is outstanding. It really is. The energy that you and young Dylan bring to it is <laughs> tremendous. It's crazy. You know, the first episode, we were catching our rhythm. And I watched the last two. And I was telling Sean Robbins, I said, man, this show is really, really entertaining. I mean, even for young kids and teenagers but adults um a lot of parents have told me this is just a fun way to spend time with my my kids it's young it's fast it's energetic it's cool it's a fast watch you know what it is it's almost like a modern day inside the nfl back in the day when you used to watch that show to get all the highlights back in yeah. the day it's yeah. done that way for kids young adults and adults like myself because when i put on the first one nate to watch you know how quickly Nickelodeon put this together. It was really on the fly. We spoke yep. briefly. And I put it on. I said, what am I going to see here? And I was like, wow. Within one minute, I was riveted. And I was incredibly impressed by you and young Dylan. And how do you find the time to do this show with everything you got going on? <laughs> yeah, man. Every Tuesday, we get it in about 11 to 2. Uh, usually, though, um, it takes a little bit longer, so I, I don't end up leaving until about 3.30. But, you know, it's fun, though, because the morning show, it's, it's, it's news. We're talking local, national, international, and oftentimes these topics are heavy. So it's good on Tuesday to kind of take my tie off, relax, and, and be a little bit of a goofball, which I normally am. How do you explain this meteoric rise for a guy who played wide receiver in the NFL until 2014, who goes into the media goes on to NFL Network, now is doing CBS Mornings, co-hosting the show, doing Slime Time, the NFL highlight show, great show on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern. How do you explain how your career has moved in the trajectory it has and is going to continue to rise 
and go to the moon and back? One, I'd like to say that I'm blessed. It's bigger than me, that's for sure. Um, Two, you know, I was very aware of myself as a player. I had a few moments where I was really good and, you know, I was the number one wide receiver. But for most of my career, um, I was a very productive number two receiver. And the reason I bring that up is because um, living in that space as a player, you learn how to be the greatest compliment to some of the greatest players. Um, And I knew how to work in a way that made me valuable to the team and more than just um, being a pass catcher. I knew I could be a blocker in the run game. I knew I could also help you on special teams, being a returner on both punt and kickoff. I bring all of that up because it applies. Um, It applies to my career in TV. As soon as I left the game, I didn't go into networks wanting to be the man because I know how to survive not being that. And I know how to compliment someone who might be the main host of a show. Um, But then also being that guy that was always willing to walk out of my offensive coaches meeting into special teams meetings and walk up to any of the coaches on the staff and say, how could you use me? That's that that we're not doing right now. Um, That's how I kind of really got my footing at the NFL Network. You know, I was doing um, NFL Network shows in 2003 when I was drafted. So the first time I ever walked through those doors was in the offseason back in 03. And I would go back every single offseason, oftentimes paying for my own flight because I wanted to get on the show, see what was going on behind the scenes. Um, and sometimes they had bigger names, more popular guys. And I would just sit back and relax. And you know how it is at, at networks. If you're paying, they're not playing. I mean, if, if you're playing, they're not paying. Right. So they weren't paying me. Um, they were just putting me up in a hotel and I would show up and I would establish these relationships. But by the time I retired at 14, they... Uh, they were like, all right, well, what do you want to do? And I remember specifically, there was a meeting where uh, early in my days there, I'm like, look, man, uh, I'm very creative. You know, I'm a poet. Um, I love art. And I feel like I'm a great storyteller. You know, we should be able to incorporate all these things. Um, we should do animation and short films. And, and we should really tap into this younger demographic of fans that love vibrant and animated pieces. This is before all the boom of the apps and all the memes and And I remember a couple of the producers jokingly were like, Nate, one, you just got here. Two, you don't have a gold jacket. You never won a Super Bowl. Respected 11 year career, but like calm down on all these like lofty ideas. Um, Just grind. And then once you establish yourself, we'll revisit these things. So like a football player, I'm like, all right, let me assess the field. Let me see who's in in my immediate competing space. Um, And I was like, all right, what can I do that's differently? You know, I can... I can, you know, read the teleprompter uh, eloquently. I can write scripts. I can uh, do pre and post game. I can go do field pieces. I do digital content. So there was a point where, you know, like you hear about that, that rookie on the team in the vet has to oftentimes say, hey, yo, Rook, chill out, man. It's just practice. Like, (laughs) slow down. Let's just say I got a couple of those from some of the older guys at the network. And I was like, nah, I'm not slowing down because I can't lean on popularity i can't lean on a right. story i can't lean on the fact that i got this beautiful gold jacket hanging in my closet so i have to show my versatility year in and year out so people recognize um how i how how i rock on tv and then i think what changed everything was moving to new york it was hmm. uh, a pivotal moment in my life where the network came to me and said hey we're going to try this morning show thing again we've already had um a couple of versions of it and i did it i remember going into the nfl network and working NFL AM. And you, you know hours. You know all the hours. You've worked them all. You pull 24-hour shifts. Um, 
I remember still playing in the offseason, like, yo, I'm going to go to L.A., I'm going to party at night, I'm going to go do the show, I'll be good. They're like, no, 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 you're not doing total access. You're doing NFL AM. I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm young. I, I, I got it. I got it. I'll make reservations a little bit early, 8 or 9 p.m., but I'll be good for the show. It was a call time at 1 a.m., you know, we're production meeting at 2, we're live at 4, and I did that for five days. And really to prove that, one, I can coexist in that space, um, the morning space, but then I also went to show the NFL Network, like, I'm still playing, and I'm willing to put the work in. Mm. Um, and when they came to me years later about this new idea for some crazy show called Good Morning Football, that's a little bit lighter in nature. And we're going to talk to fans, but we're also going to be friends with them. We want people that are viewing the show feel like they're sitting on the couch with you. And I'm like, look, sounds like a good concept. And I see why I might be a good fit. But we are not moving to New York. I just retired. My wife is good. I have a great rhythm. I'm flying into L.A. every couple of days. We're living in Scottsdale, Arizona, where my wife is from. No, no, no. They kept asking me a month later, no. And here, here's where everything shifted. I was talking to my wife and my mom, and uh, I said, hey, you know, they offered me again for the show. And the wife's like, yeah, but we're not moving to New York. We're not, we're not East Coasters. We're West Coast people. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I just wanted to bring it up to you guys to keep you um, caught up on what was going on. And then I walked out of, that, uh, out, of, out of the kitchen. I walked upstairs to the bathroom. I'm looking in the mirror. And it was like I was having a conversation myself and my reflection was like bro you're a liar like you, you tell your kids you tell other kids um you go to juveniles and you speak to them you talk about being comfortable in uncomfortable situations and you don't want to move to new york because you don't like the east coast or last time you visited there the people were mean to you on the streets or or you just you feel like waking up at four o'clock in the morning is something that you shouldn't do because you've already had a long career as an athlete I was like, what happened to, to finding that comfort in uncomfortable spaces? And I walked out of there. I walked back downstairs and I said, hey, mom, you know, Toya, my wife, I said, look, I'm going to take this job. And she's like, what? Ten minutes ago, you just said you weren't taking the job. I said, no, no, no. I, I know that. But I just had a conversation with myself. And I, I just <laughs> I don't I don't contradict what I tell my kids. So in order for me to take a leap of faith, and me step out of the box of being an analyst for the next 20 years, I'm going to have to take this job as a co-host. Now, we may fail. You know, morning shows are like restaurants. They fail all the time. But we have to do this. And my wife reluctantly was like, all right, you know what it is with us. You go, I go. So when do we move? And where were you living at that point, Nate? I was in Scottsdale, Arizona. I am from Scottsdale, Arizona to L.A. doing Total Access. Right. Um, and I was going and doing Thursday night games. And uh, I think we had um, a show called The Aftermath. So, like, we, it was all L.A. based. And they were like, look, you need to uproot and move to New York if you want this job. And I'm like, no, I'm not moving to New York. Why would you guys even offer me that? And plus, I'm retired. So, like, I didn't want to have to work these crazy hours, given the fact that I put in 11 years. Yeah. Uh, but it was and, and that and that opened up the door for NFL Today. And what's funny about that, I think due to proximity, I love my NFL Today crew, my CBS crew. I think due to proximity of me working in the same studio um, area, which Good Morning Football was in like Studio 43 and NFL Today is in like Studio 47. They saw me for like two years. And they're like, oh, man, this Nate guy's pretty, he's pretty good. Let's give him an opportunity. Let's give him an audition. And here's another another quick story. You know, this is what these podcasts are for. Um, I'm like, all right, cool. My agent's like, yo, you knocked this out of the park, man. It's a big deal. 
I mean, this is prime real estate. I'm like, I know I'm familiar with NFL today. It's like, let's be real, though. I think they're just pulling me in because I work in the same area and they just want to get a few different people. But I'm not really the guy they're looking for. There's a ton of more popular players that I could name right now that would be a great fit next to Boom and Bill and Coach and JB. So I'm having this conversation. And then I'm thinking, you know what? I've been putting in work out here in New York for a couple of years now. I've been working multiple jobs. I've been showing my versatility. These hours are crazy. We're talking 4 a.m. wake-ups, three-hour live show, nothing scripted. You either got to put in the teleprompter or you got to study enough to regurgitate it so people don't think that you're just talking off the top of your head. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, you know what? I think I, I think I deserve this job, matter of fact. You know, so I had my little B-Rabbit 8-mile moment. I'm like, all right, you know what I'm saying? I'm about to go down there. I'm going to rock this. As I'm walking into the studio, I see DeMarcus Ware. And he's walking out from the audition. And you know DeMarcus Ware, great career. Great you know, could be Hall Cowboys legend. Great Super guy. Bowl champ. I'm just like, yo, this is like the perfect guy. Handsome, beautiful smile. He's like the black Mr. Clean. I'm like, damn it. This is the guy I got to go up against. <laughs> so I gave him the whole bro hug, pat on the back. I was like, hey, man, how you doing? Okay, we're both going for the same job. I'm like, all right, good luck, man. And, uh. And I was a little dejected because in this business, sometimes um, it's not just talent versus talent or skill versus skill. It might be popularity. And and I can humbly say DeMarcus Ware in his career, he's more popular and he's more recognized. And rightfully so. He's earned that right. So as I'm walking in, I turn the corner and I see JB and I see Boomer and I see this whole crew and all these people just looking at me, some familiar and some not. I said, you know what? Flex your muscles. You've been sharpening these tools since 2014. Mm. Like, and it's it's now 2017. You better go in there and rock that. And I felt like I had one of the best auditions. And they called me a couple of weeks later. And then from there, it's the snowball effect. You know how it is in New York. This is the concrete jungle. Some say it's a hamster wheel that if you fall off, you can't get back on. I decided to, to never get off. I just kept my feet moving. And as I'm on this hamster wheel working, working, working and trying to redefine myself, not just as a player, but as a TV personality, these opportunities keep coming up. And now I'm working on CBS mornings because, you know, they offer me an opportunity due to proximity. I think they were like, hey, let's have Nate come in. There's a couple of people that are sitting out. Let's just see how he does in this morning space. You never know how much an athlete knows until you take him off of an athlete show. So um, I was able to join the show and, and really open up about being a restaurateur and be heavily involved in my investments and, you know, starting businesses um, and how close I am to, you know, the fight for social uh, justice. So I think at that point, they're like, wow, like he's a little bit more versatile than we assumed. Um, And then, you know, a couple of months later, I I had an opportunity to sit on the set with Tony and Gail. and, And here I am, you know, every day waking up, still that same guy from 2003 that was drafted to the Minnesota Vikings next to Randy Moss. That felt like every day I had to prove that I belong because guys like Randy Moss not only were gifted with the special stick, like God gave him every attribute, you know, height, the hands, the eyes, the speed, the, the physical play. Calvin Johnson, it's like a creative player on Madden with everything slid up to 99. Not only were these guys blessed physically, they were tough and they were really good football players. So I thought, man, if I don't have their skill set, I almost have to work twice as hard every day. No days off. And that's how I am now. That's why when you see me on a show, 
you'll never catch me mailing it in. You'll never catch, you never like watch the show and be like, is, is he here? Does he care? Does he love what he's doing? Is he passionate? I'm always intense because if you sign me up to do something, I'm going to give you everything that I got. And, and I think that's one of the, and to bring this all full circle, I think that's one of the reasons why I am where I am right now. Well, it's unbelievable. So that conversation in the mirror with the man in the mirror got you to New York, which got you to do all these other things, which led to the CBS Today show, which led to CBS Mornings, which led to all these things that are on your plate where you are now, arguably, I think the brightest young star in media today, Nate. I appreciate that, man. It, it means a lot. It, and, you know, I think more than anything, I didn't set out to be that. I just I saw that there was a, a void. And this isn't a, this isn't taking a shot at any other talent at the network or CBS or um, any other network for that matter. Um, I just felt like there was a void for a talent like me. And this isn't the best advice that I can give to young men and women who ask me, like, you know, how do I find my voice and my identity in this business? And I say, that's it. Find your voice. Because hmm. when I came in, you know, I, I tried to mimic everybody that I looked up to and idolized. You know, I had a little bit of Dion. I was dressing fresh and it was all about, you know, the swag. And if I look good, I feel good, feel good. TV's going to be good and they going to pay me. I was like, nah. And then I was like, you know what? I like Michael Irvin the way he do it. And I come in, I'm like, all right, you got to you gotta come with it. And then when I played for the Vikings and Seahawks and the Lions, and I was like, nah, my voice ain't even going to hold up. I can't do that. You know, I, I looked at guys like Marshall Falk, very intellectual, stoop. Yeah. His, his delivery was almost um, perfect. And he had this very reserved delivery. Um, and, and I tried that. And I was like, nah, that's not me. What I am is, um, what I am, I am a... Um, a versatile talent, you know, and it's, it's kind of like how scouts describe me as a wide receiver. I keep going back to football because it was such a big part of my life and it parallels what I'm doing today. They said, Nate um, is very good at a lot of things. You know, he's good speed, good hands, good, good hops. He's a smart player. Um, he's going to, he's going to give you everything. So that's what I thought. I was like, you know, once I, I, I tried mimicking people that I looked up to, I said, just, just be myself. I'm a little bit goofy at times. I'm very passionate. I'm a Leo, so I love hard. Um, every moment that I'm in, I feel like it's my last. Um, I, I look at life cinematically, and I feel like, you know, if you're going to create a scene, create a scene that people want to watch, um, and, and, I, and I'm a workhorse that constantly wants to learn. Um, all the while, I, I'm an artist, and I'm a writer, and I love poetry and cartoons and animation. So I was like, add all that to who you are on TV. And before I knew it, that was me on TV. I was a very animated, passionate, artistic, creative, intelligent version of the same football player talking about football, just in a different, different way, in a different space. I think everybody in any profession needs to find their voice and their identity, right? When I was in college, yeah. I tried to write every article like Mitch Album or Lee Montfield from Sports Illustrated. And I would literally try to do that. Or I try to be funny like Rick Riley. And I said... I'm not as good a writer as Mitch, and I'm not as funny as Rick, and I'm never as poetic as Lee Mom. So I'm just going to basically report information, and you just find what works for you over time. But when was the moment that you knew that it was working and taking off for you? Because there had to be some sort of moment where you know, wow, they're noticing. This is working. I'm ascending. I believe it happened over the last couple of years. Um, you know, Good Morning Football was going great getting Emmy nominations and I always looked at that as a nod to the collective, not me. Um, and, you know, we were having great shows and there was a respect amongst the league, you know, from owners, GMs, 
you know, all the way down to the coaches and players. And then extra was going mm. great. Yeah. Like, it's like, well, I'm sitting here talking to J-Lo and Pacino. Like, I remember being on the red carpet and, and you know, I'm, I'm there for the Irishman. And, <laughs> you know, De Niro walks by and Sebastian Maniscalco walks by. He's been on the show. So he's saying what's up. And then Pacino walks by. And I do what I always do because I'm humbled in these places that I'm in. So I just introduce myself. I never assume that somebody knows me. Um, and I'm like, hey, um, Mr. Pacino, how you doing? My name is Nate. Bro and before I can continue, he said, ah, I know who you are. And I'm like, huh? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know who you are. And I was like, wait, 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 time. And I look back at our cameraman and the producer that was there on the red carpet. I'm like, time out. Hey, yo, I cut the mic. I got to talk to this dude. I lean in. <laughs> Seriously, do you know who I am? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you, you, you used to play football. And now you're, now you're on a football show in the morning. And you do CBS. And now, yeah, I know who you are. You do a great job. And I was like, what is going well, on? Um. So it was these small moments, very small victories um, where people far outside of my spectrum um, were noticing the work that I was putting in. And then that capped off with NFL Today, um, you know, growing and, 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 and doing the Super Bowl in Tampa and then winning a, a couple of Emmys. Like that was that like that. That for me, was like, oh, like. I've arrived. I, I, I never set out and said, hey, man, I'm going to win an Emmy this year. You know, I just wanted to work my butt off and prove that not only I belong, but I can stand out amongst the top media personalities. And when I was recognized for that, you know, the Nickelodeon game was recognized uh, from a production standpoint, but I was part of that win. And then when I got Sportscaster of the Year, studio personality, um, hmm. it blew me away. Because I'm sitting there amongst giants, men and women that I've looked up to for years, decades. And they are recognizing me for the work that I put in across a few different verticals. Well, let me tell you this. I told you this when Nickelodeon hired my daughter, Dylan, to be the correspondent for the show. We went back and had her watch the broadcast so she could just see what Nickelodeon was doing with the slime time and the games. And I watched what you were doing that game. And I watched that game. I had it on. You know, I kept flipping back and forth. But I don't think I really grasped how good you were in that spot. And my wife, who's not really a football fan, and they're watching. And they were transfixed by the broadcast. And so when you talk about you have arri you've arrived and Robert De Niro and this and, that, and the Emmy nominations, you've not only arrived, you surpassed all of us. I've been working <laughs> in this business now, Nate. I've been working <laughs> in this business 31 years. I've never gotten so much as an Emmy nomination. You've won Emmys. I've never gotten a nomination. <laughs> which which is uh, <laughs> an injustice. And that needs to be the way it goes. It, 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 it is unreal. You know, it's funny because, you know, I, I look at individuals like you and I would assume that. I was actually um, on the Rich Eisen sh show and he, he said the same thing. He basically said, hey, man, congratulations. And I said, man, I'm just blown away. I'm blown away. I'm, I was like, Rich, you know what it's like. And he said, no, I don't know what it's like. And I, I was caught off guard because I'm like, wow, these are the men and women that helped shape me. And just like when I played and I would look at Randy and he didn't know I was paying attention to him. I was trying to steal a little bit of what he was doing. Same thing with Calvin, even though he was younger than me. Um, and that's the same thing in this business. You know, I, I, I try to take bits and pieces from those that have laid down the path for me. Uh, because Listen, it's foolish for anybody to think in this business that they 
have um, arrived by themselves. You know, whether it's people standing next to you, those that are no longer with us, um, you are always standing amongst your peers and people that have done it before you at a high level um, and black men and women that have done before me in times where it wasn't a norm for them to be on TV. So I'm thankful, though, man. And, and you know, that that Emmy win, it was special because I've always had a hang up about not winning a Super Bowl. You know, I started playing football when I was eight or nine years old and I've given everything. And I, I think out of all of those years, I only had one year off. That was my eighth grade year. I decided to walk away from the game because I was this lanky, skinny kid. And I just thought, man, I don't want to want to go to practice and go get lined up with the, the tall kids because they're stronger than me. And I just I don't know if this is my sport. I'll just play basketball. I set out, picked the ball back up my freshman year in high school, and I never put it down. The reason I bring that up is because when I retired, it's almost like I was talking to the football god saying, like, what more do you want a guy to do? I've been playing this job. My, I've been playing football my entire life. I've given everything to you. ACL, PCL, broke my right leg, broke my arm, broke two fingers, rib, broken nose, two separated shoulders, concussions, fractured ankles. I've had it all. So, like, aren't like, wouldn't I be the guy that the football gods would say, hey, you know, bless his team this year so they have a, a, an amazing run to a title or put him in a position where he signs on to a great team later in his career and ends up winning a Super Bowl. I really had that hang up for years and I didn't realize how much it bothered me until unexpectedly somebody gave me a trophy for the work that I put in. Yeah. And I it's it's like it's like going to therapy and, you know, your therapist saying, you know, are you bothered by that? And you say, no, I'm not bothered. But then, you know, an hour later, you're crying like that. That trophy for me, it it redefined how I looked at trophies, because as I held that Emmy in my hand, I realized. man, I spent so many years upset about never winning a Lombardi. But what I have to realize is. Even though it is a great accomplishment. Winning a Super Bowl still is one of it's one of the greatest things ever. Um, that trophy is man-made. There is a man somewhere putting it together, designing it, and then sending it out. Um, just like an Emmy or an Oscar or a Grammy. And I had to realize they still make trophies after I get done. Hmm. So even if I were to win that Lombardi, would that have put me in a place of complacency? Maybe. Maybe, maybe it's a blessing that I didn't win that Lombardi. Maybe that has created this hunger inside of me to be great in other places and spaces in my life. Well, that's how life works, right? I think I always think all the rejections just set you up to succeed somewhere else. Every time somebody says no, that's an opportunity to go on to do something else. It's always the story of my career, right? When I went to college, I didn't get into a fraternity my freshman year. The football team didn't need a student manager. The basketball team didn't need a student manager. So I went down to the newspaper, the student newspaper, because I had nothing else to do. And if I had gotten one of those other jobs, it never would have happened that I would be in this profession. So that's just the way that it happens sometimes. But you are so busy right now with Extra and Nickelodeon and CBS football, CBS news, all these things. Where are you pulled to most in the future? Where does this all go for you? Because you're doing everything now. And my guess is you can't do everything going forward. <laughs> Maybe you can. I mean, you got a lot of energy, but maybe you can. We we are similar in that sense. You know, I, how, how often have you have you heard this question? When do you sleep? <laughs> I know you've heard it a lot. 
Uh, um, and there's only two responses. You you answer them honestly. You just say, oh, well, listen, I'll, I got one day and I'll take advantage of that day or I'll sleep when I'm dead. So um, I, I tried to embrace that when I first moved out to New York and I lost all of my facial hair. Like I just kept going, kept going. And I didn't plug back into um, my home. I didn't plug back into sleep. I didn't plug back into meditation. Um, I just kept working. And I remember a dermatologist telling me, you are stressed and alopecia is a way of your body saying, sit the hell down. So um, now I've decided to manage my energy properly. I am pulled most by CBS mornings because it is a privilege to sit there next to Gail and Tony and deliver the news that is needed. Uh, this is a job that we have a front row seat to history on a daily basis. We just witnessed the Blue Origin launch with Jeff Bezos, um, the second space tourism launch uh, from his Blue Origin group. And I'm just sitting there delivering this news and just blown away that I get to witness it um, and give it to the people in the fashion that we did. So CBS Mornings is the, the biggest job that I have. And then after that, it becomes NFL Today on Sunday during the year. After that, everything else, the entertainment, um, you know, extra um, and doing stuff on the side that becomes secondary in a sense. You know, if, if you were to talk to my mom, she would say um, he's going to be acting soon. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily want to start acting. I have, I've had opportunities. I've had scripts sent to me, um, but I wanted to conquer one space at a time. You know, I felt like, you know, if I were to start reading scripts and now I'm shooting out mm. to L.A. to film something on the weekends, it might pull away from the work I'm going to put in on my main job. So, you know, I'm not going to close that door. But right now, I think there's uh, there's other things I have to focus on. So you can be the next rock. You could be the next Michael Strahan or you could just be the next Nate Burleson and continue to shine the way that you have and will continue to shine. And I'm just thankful that you managed to find some time today to squeeze me in. And I truly appreciate that, Nate. Um, you know, you were reaching out to me and you sent a message to my son. Yeah, I know. I know. And, uh, and he, he comes home. He's like, hey, yo, dad. No, first he sends me the text. He's like, hey, I think he's looking for you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're talking. And then he's like, yo, Adam Schefter hit me up. I'm dead famous right now. Yo, like, I'm, I'm dead famous. That's the, the lingo that he uses. I was like, what? He's like, nah, for real. He hit me up. I'm famous, pops. I'm like, yeah, you are famous. Um, but I will say this, speaking of them. You know, um, you know, a handful of years from now, maybe even sooner, uh, you'll be reporting on the Burleson boys. Uh, you know, we're working on something special. I got a wide receiver who's a junior in high school and Nehemiah was a sophomore, 6'3", 6'4", both pass catchers, one one on the outside, one, of course, on the inside. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll have this conversation a few years from now doing a scouting report. <laughs> well, I'll give you the best of all. What would happen? What would be better? than having your two boys make it in the league and having my daughter interview them on Nickelodeon or CBS or wherever it is one day. See, would that, would that not be the best of all worlds for us? Because nothing would make us happier than seeing our children happy, right? Yeah. When you look at the families, um, families like the Fullers and Bosa's and Mannings, uh, the Diggs brothers, you know what? We have been blessed after working our butts off, but we have been blessed to be in the positions that we are in. But I think the obligation is now to set up the future generations for um, for the work that they want to do. And you know what? Let's speak it into existence. Let's not say what if it is going to happen. Your daughter is going to be working side by side with my boys at some point, And we are going to be sitting back like proud papas, 
with the tear on our face, clapping them on. That would be the best. Hey, Nate, I really appreciate taking some time. Thank you very much. Hopefully you get the chance to see in person here sometime soon. No. And again, great, great work and continued success. Give my family the best, man. And likewise. And there is the incredibly talented, the exceptionally hardworking Nate Burleson, who's with CBS Mornings and covering football for CBS on the NFL Today program, as well as Nickelodeon and the Slime Time show on at 7 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday night. And that gives us a chance to begin to look ahead to this week's action. And last week was one of those great days where you can wake up, watch the ESPN pregame show, of course, but also get to watch a game in London that kicks off at 9.30 Eastern and watch football at 9.30, 1, 4, 8. It goes all night. And when they delay the Sunday night game, as they did last Sunday night with the Bills and Chiefs, you go with football from 9.30 in the morning till almost 1 in the morning. A long day. We get another one of those days this Sunday with the Dolphins and Jaguars playing in London. Now, at the time we're recording this Wednesday morning, we still have not been given official word that it'll be Tua back at quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, but that's been my expectation for a couple of weeks that the London fans will be treated to Tua Tunga by Lois first game back with the Dolphins after suffering fractured ribs. Also get an NFC North rivalry, Packers-Bears, Aaron Rodgers, 21-5 and in his career against the Bears, including playoffs, and he's won four straight versus Chicago going back to 2019. Matthew Stafford's in New York to take on an injury-riddled New York Giants team. The Chiefs slumping, going to Washington to battle a slumping Washington team. And I think maybe the game that I'm looking forward to most on Sunday might be Chargers-Ravens. Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson. It's Lamar Jackson's first start against the Chargers since the 2018 wildcard round, which is first career playoff start. And Justin Herbert has won his last four road games after beginning his career 0-5 on the road. And then Monday night, we will be in Tennessee for the Bills, maybe the best and hottest team in football right now, versus the Tennessee Titans. Josh Allen has eight career touchdown passes on Monday night football, the most by any quarterback in their first two Monday night football starts. And the Titans beat the Bills 42-16 in Week 5 in Nashville last season, which was the worst loss of Josh Allen's career. Let's see if he could avenge it on Monday night in Nashville. The other non-football note was the NBA War Room basketball draft that we held last Sunday night, and it couldn't have worked out any better. It actually came right during the delay of the Bills-Chiefs game. In fact, I looked out at my computer, did the draft, drafted my team in a 14-team league, and looked up, and there was no football game going on. And I said, what's going on here? Well, it was the weather delay. And during that weather delay, we loaded up our team with a lot of nuggets. Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter, Drafted Spencer Dinwiddie, Marcus Smart, some young rookies like Evan Mobley, uh, Josh Giddy in Oklahoma City. We are all fired up, all in on the NBA. And when people say, well, who's your favorite team? It's always the players on my fantasy team per sources. Go sources. We'll see how that works out. All right, before I let you go, please check out Bold Men on Campus, a new ESPN podcast hosted by Jay Billis, LaFonzo Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. These ESPN basketball personalities give you an all-access pass inside the world of college basketball, talking to the biggest names in the sport. That's Bald Men on Campus. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Also, our annual NBA opening night doubleheader is Wednesday, October 20th. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and the Celtics are at Madison Square Garden to take on Julius Randle, former Celtic Kemba Walker, and the Knicks at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific. Then, it's our primetime West Coast game, 
with reigning MVP Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets in Phoenix squaring off against Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and the Suns, last season's Western Conference champs. Two great matchups to tip off the NBA season on ESPN and the ESPN app. One app, one tap. All right, I want to thank Nate Burleson, the host of CBS, the co-host of CBS Mornings, the NFL Today program, Nickelodeon Slime Time, Wednesday nights. I want to thank my great producer, Christina Buswell, for putting up with me and putting together this video, this podcast. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. On next week's podcast, we will have an extended interview with somebody that I recently sat down with. We're going to use the full audio of a story that's going to run on ESPN's Sunday NFL Countdown this week. It is one of the more unique stories that I've come across in my 30-plus years covering the NFL. I promise you, you'll like it, and you will be incredibly impressed with the individual who we will feature on the show Sunday and in this podcast space next week. Until then, have a great week, everybody. Be well and stay safe.